Hey everyone, welcome to Barside Chats. I'm Brian the Gleeman. And I'm Matt, the innkeeper. And this is a Wheel of Time podcast from the Dusty Wheel. This episode contains spoilers. If you have not completed the Wheel of Time, please proceed with caution. Lately, I've been thinking about relationships in books, how well some authors write them and how poorly others write them. And so I thought that was something we could talk about today. What are the best relationships in the Wheel of Time and why? Why do we think they're the best? Why are they so special to us? And here to do that with me is my good friend and co-host, Matt the Innkeeper. How you doing, Matt? Hey, great. I'm doing great. And I think this podcast will prove that Robert Jordan actually writes amazing relationships. That's what's going to happen. We'll see about that. that. (laughs) And today we have a special guest, Tyler. Welcome to the show, Tyler. Hi, I'm Tyler. I met these guys while posting on Theoryland under the name Great Lord of the Dark. And I'd like to point out that uh, the Dark One thinks the best relationships are built on blind obedience, abject fear, and pure selfishness. (laughs) Your marriage must be really exciting. It's over, oh. actually. <laughs> okay, well, there you go. There you go. Oh, wow. uh, <laughs> as always, if you like this podcast, please subscribe or leave us a review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It helps new listeners find the show, which in turn allows us to create more and better content. All right, let's jump right into this. What do you guys think is the best romantic relationship in the series? Tyler, go. Uh, I wanted to skip right over some of the let's more ones that are in the forefront and focus on some of the side characters. And I think one of the ones that impresses me the most is Egyanen and Baildomen, or Lailwyn Shipless, as she's called at the end, and Baildomen. I think that they have a really interesting uh, way that the relationship is developed, which started from a physical attraction from the first time that they actually weren't surrounded by their own forces. They uh, got to have a little tussle hand to hand and really grew some respect for each other. And before the end of uh, that book, they, they've, uh, Le- or Egyanen had decided that she was going to marry Bail Doman. He had everything she liked. And, uh, that includes a common ethics, uh, their common, uh, goal in overcoming the truth, uh, in uncovering the truth. And, uh, he's just steadfast and intelligent. And he proves that throughout the book where at various points, there's head shavings and name changes relating to the marriage. He's property at one point, and then she wants to release him. He says, if you release me, I don't have to do what you say anyways, woman. So um, all of this is really based in a, a strong mutual respect for, I don't understand or agree with your decision, but I'm going to support it. And that carries through right to the end where uh, the whole way through all of these challenges that they're facing, it's all about, well, we're in this together. We made a pledge, we're in it together, and they are doing all the things that our main characters are still struggling to figure out, I think. And uh, that's what I really like about these two characters that maybe are a little, they're very side characters, but uh, they're, they're just cool in the way that they uh, care for each other and respect each other. Yeah, I think there's something interesting about this one you picked. I, it's not the one that ever came to mind when I saw this, but I, I did like this idea that uh, these two would somehow end up, like, they're, they're, they're very much this like one of these, like I respect this because we're both captains, you know. We we share this 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 not career, but this 
this uh, mutual appreciation and we understand what it's like to to have to make the choices we have to make and and i feel like she always felt like she had kind of one up on him because you know she <laughs> took a ship and stuff at the beginning and uh and always appreciated how he handled that situation and uh yeah this is this is one of those that i think when i look at relationships around me i go huh i never thought that was going to happen but yeah <laughs> you know it's it's working uh, this one kind of caught me off guard i don't know i don't know how you felt about this one brian but i like this choice uh i didn't you know you bring this up i don't want to fight it more so than just it's one of those relationships that breaks the mold a little bit for me on but totally works within their personalities that we're told about what i think is great about that relationship i think it's a fantastic choice and i think the thing that i like the most is it's a relationship that we don't necessarily see develop on screen so to say on the page the characters come in and out of the story they're gone for a book they come back for several chapters and then they disappear again and each time they come back their relationship has evolved it's not the same relationship they had the last time we saw them and is believable because the transition from the phase one to phase two to phase three is it's not like the whole world changed it's just they they've evolved their relationship i think that's a really good one that's it, now that i think about it it might be one of the more realistically developed relationships in the book because we just kind of see that we see the result of the hard work without necessarily having to sit through all the hard work that they put into it. You know? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting one. I, but I, I'm going to challenge you on this one. Uh, you know, now, now you brought this up. This is the romantic, you know. What do you see in this that really kind of, you know, <laughs> Tyler, where's the romance? Is it just kind of a different kind of romance than, than, we're, than we want to expect? Or do you... it, it is. And I feel like it's almost like these two could have been characters in your typical romance novels. Like, he's from the wrong side of the track. She's from across the ocean. And like, you know, they're <laughs> going to team up and destroy this evil secret that the Shanjin Empire has been hiding. And, and that's really what brings them together. Like they, they both have a respect for, uh, I'm not going to say the truth and honesty because I mean, he is a smuggler, but like there's a, a respect there that partly comes from their career. They, you know, Egyanen is clear that she's only ever going to date sailors. That's a core thing. But as soon as she detects that he has this integrity, she instantly says he is a cut above everyone else. And the fact that he's on this side of the ocean doesn't really mean much. And she's very decisive that way. And even when he kind of refuses to play along, I mean, he goes for a certain amount of time when they're, um, when he's property, like he's been enslaved and sold on the block. And he's just kind of saying like, it's all an act because I know you just bought me because you like me and I'm not really your slave. And she's like, no, you really are my slave. This is my culture. Like, I, like this is how it works. And he's like, yeah, I don't really go for that. Like, that's not quite true. I don't <laughs> and, and so he's never, he never quite buys into like what's happening to him. And she's kind of like exasperated, but they both take parts of their culture and say, well, I've always thought things would be a certain way, but this person is more important than that. And so they turn their backs on various aspects of the culture in order to uh, accommodate the person that they like. I mean, the, the physical attraction is there, the mutual respect. And I don't think that the romance would have existed quite as strongly if it wasn't for that secret that they're trying to uncover, that, you know, the, the, the whole theme of the, uh, you know, romantic uh, urban fantasy kind of genre uh, mashed in there. But uh, because it does exist, it drives them closer together. And at each stage, 
they say, what are we going to do? Well, we're going to hook up with Matt Cawthon and like, then we're going to like find a way out of this and we're going to save our lives and we're going to do all these amazing things, but we're going to do it together. And that is the <laughs> core concept of what they do. They do it together. They don't go off to various parts of the world and say, okay, follow your plot quest, honey. Um, I got my own over here. They're in it together. Yeah, I knew you were a softy. I knew you were a softy this whole time, man. <laughs> well, that's, this is somebody, it's, it's romantic in a way that just I'm not used to kind of thinking about it. But maybe that's something to be said for a lot of what Robert Jordan's relationships that we never consider as romantic is. And maybe maybe that's just it. Like he's he's showing a lot of the things that are happening outside of, you know, uh, maybe this courting and intimacy that you might think of where, you know, you got the candles and you you got the music going on, you know, and he's, he's pulling it outside and be like, these are, you know, this is someone from a completely different culture, you know, and or two people and, and, and putting them together and watching a relationship grow there is, and maybe it's that burgeoning romance that, you know, there's that subtle between the lines kind of romance going on here that I would, <laughs> that I would agree with, <laughs> but certainly not something in my head where I'm like, yes, totally romantic. <laughs> what do you think is totally romantic? Who, who's got the best romantic relationship for you? Well, look, uh, clearly Min and Rand are the most traditional romantic relationship here that Robert Jordan writes. Now, I, I, maybe at most is the wrong word there. I think there's a case to be made for Lan and Nynaeve, uh, obviously there, like theirs is the most maybe passionate. But Min and Rand have that kind of classic, like we meet, clearly have an appreciation that's going on there's clearly some sparks that show up between them you know and min knows that they're going to meet again but they but they leave and they think about each other and they look forward to seeing the person again and then they get together again and the sparks kind of grow a little bit more there's attention there there's attraction growing and it's not that they are completely infatuated with each other at first sight right it's not one of these where it's like yeah, I've only talked to him for five seconds and I completely love him. You know, it's more this recognition from Min's standpoint that this is going to happen, but it still happens very naturally, right? And, and she still, she wants to be with him and he wants to be with her. And then they eventually do come together. And not only that, like the, the, it goes beyond that kind of like, oh, we met up and that person's cool. They then build a serious relationship that has intimacy, it has care, they, they make time for each other. There's, uh, there's just this, it, yeah, it's just this kind of undertone with everything going on with Rand, <laughs> you know, going crazy, basically. And, and, and Min being there with him and finding the, the moments that they do, considering everything, I think, yeah, it has, it has all of the classic signs of a romantic relationship uh, when it comes to uh, appreciation, challenge, tension, intrigue, uh, that eventually turns into actual time spent together. Like that's, there's name the romantic relationships in this book where there's just a serious amount of time spent together and Min and Rand have to be at the top of that list. A few minutes ago, you mentioned, you were talking about uh, Tyler's pick about how it's not a traditional romance. There's no like flowers and candles and things like that. Rand and Min don't really have that either. So What's different? What, 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 what makes them? Sure, sure. I was, I was going for the cliche candle moments, but there's plenty of moments where they, they have that, that casual romance, you know, where they're sitting in a room and just 
appreciating each other in that moment and having a conversation with an undertone of that conversation of, of clear intimacy, right? To the point where Jordan does write, like their conversation turns into very intimate moments. But there's, yeah, there's, so yeah, you're right. There's not this like, hey, um, you get dressed up, I'll get dressed up. Let's go out and night and tear and, you know, and have dinner. And then afterwards, you know, we'll hook up. Right. There's, there's not this like dating motif necessarily um, in the way that we think about it now, but I think Robert Jordan definitely gives us the, the clear indication that these individuals are, you know, definitely into each other in, yeah, maybe it's like the casual romance, uh, romantic moments that go on between couples. Um, and I think that part is completely obvious in the text and, and pretty overt at times. Uh, I think they end with a lot of the intimacy you talk about. And I guess Min knows it's going to happen regardless of what she does. So maybe she's not like, like she's able to let go of, you know, whatever she might have to do. She says, this is going to happen regardless. So whatever I do, it's going to happen. I might as well do it the way I want. And you might remember that the way she wants is uh, Rand is having a lot of trouble with the fact that he can't marry Avienda because that's who he slept with first. And obviously that's who he should be married to. And she has to break through his wall of toxic two rivers upbringing to say, you know, you're allowed to sleep with more than one person. And she's got to like put on some slinky tight pants in front of him in order to like remind him that, you know, this is okay. And he still takes a long time to break down. But that flirtation and, and stuff is something that I think we appreciated. It's what you call like the, the dating, but their dating was her actively trying to seduce him in front of other people, all of his guards who were all watching and appreciating what she was doing. And she knew it and she didn't care because she says, this is what is going to happen. And so they, they end with that intimacy. Like you say, they, the trips to the libraries, the stuff they talk about, the, the quiet stuff, it really is a, a, an intimate thing. And I think it's, it, it comes down to that trust and the trust might have been born out of the fact that, uh, Min knows it's going to happen as opposed to say like Egyan and just says, this is the guy I want. I've decided it's good. And she did that not because of candles, but because they kind of beat each other up in the uh, three plums court uh, <laughs> restaurant in Tanchico. So yeah. it was only after they had a bit of rough play that they were okay. Min's wasn't rough play, but it was very sexy flirtatious play. And Rand just wasn't buying into it until she broke through some of his uh, barriers. You, you bring up a really good point here, which is, again, you know, and I think some of these other relationships we might talk about, that, that flirtatious side, right? It's Min, it, it's less that Min knows this is going to happen, but she actively wants it to happen, right? And it's, it's less that she's like, oh, shoot. Clearly, she's attracted to the guy at the very beginning, right? And then she sees herself as part of, you know, a viewing, which I think she says is the first time that's ever happened. And she's like, oh, wow, like I'm attracted to this dude and this is going to happen. And I'm not sure what I think about that. And she, she kind of walks away like, wait, that wasn't my plan, but she can't stop thinking about him. And then, you know, it's, I, I think it's a disservice to say like Robert Jordan was saying, she can't stop thinking about him because the pattern or the wheel is forcing them together versus this is someone she's totally attracted to. And she happened to meet that person in the midst of everything. And was like, oh shoot. And this is the person that I'm going to end up with. And I can't stop thinking about them. And that person can't stop thinking about me. And yeah, I think she just sits into this of like, yeah, I'm totally attracted. And why would I run from this? You know, I know it doesn't make any sense to run from a viewing, but this isn't something I want to run from at all anyway. And I want to run towards it. And what I like about it is it's actually 
uh, I'll be honest, it's the only real relationship that Rand has, like real intimate, flirtatious, you know, exciting, you know, there's, there's passion there. Robert Jordan doesn't, you know, beat us over the head with it. I don't think the entire series, but a passion for each other that just doesn't exist very in very other, many other relationships in these books. So did you go for something that we all kind of expected, Brian, or did you have somebody in mind when you asked us this, this question? Yeah, so my, my choice would be uh, Swan and Gareth Brynn. I think that their, their relationships, probably one of the more developed relationships in the series. A lot of the other characters, you know, Elaine and Rand and Nynaeve and Lan and Moraine and Tom and, and all these other relationships, they, they just kind of happen. They're just kind of one moment, one of them says, I love you, and the other one says, I know, and <laughs> we, we were, that's the relationship. But um, with Swan and Gareth, they they meet and they it's almost like love at first sight but neither one of them is willing to admit it and so they spend the next several books like developing this relationship and kind of like with Egyan and and, and Beldoman the relationship largely is developed off camera off scene off off book she's doing his laundry he, she's supposed to do his laundry but she's doing it a little more than she needs to she's <laughs> she's like staying in his tent because it's easier than going back to her tent you know and she's she's just like very slowly over the course of several books like develops this like realization that hey I'm in love with this guy and he's kind of is like all of the men in the series it's just completely baffled by everything she does but every time she does any of those things he finds it equally entrancing and enigmatic and and interesting and so their relationship over time develops to the point where they finally come out and admit it and it's believable when they admit it i believe that they really do love each other and that they really do think they should be together that's a, that's an interesting one because i think i've seen this happen almost in more mature couples where i know some friends or something or maybe you know a divorced parent starts hanging out with somebody more often and they're over at the house and it's like wow but they're not really saying anything, right? They're, they're they're just kind of they're hanging out and they're doing stuff together. And you're like, okay, there's something happening here, and none of them are going to admit it, but something's clearly happening here. And uh, and there's just a mutual appreciation and respect. And I, I think the one you brought up is really interesting because I think Swan, you know, this wasn't allowed. For, like this was never part of her plan, right? She this this was not on the arc of what she thought her life was going to have. And so I think similar to Tyler's point, when he said about, you know, men breaking through kind of Rand's, you know, what is it, toxic two rivers, whatever, you know, is this idea of, uh, of whether or not he could pursue this relationship with men. I think, I think Gareth is kind of breaking through this idea. Not that I think they both are, but breaking through the wall that she has, which is a bit like, this is, this is not supposed to be what what's happening to me right now. And I think it takes, I think it takes her more time in that sense. I think he recognizes it immediately and that's kind of within his vibe of the relationship. And yeah, he, he recognizes it almost immediately. He's like, Hey, you know, we should be together. And she's like, we can't be together. I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm not part of my plan, you know? And uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's one of those, um, you know, the, when you're young and you're trying to, find a, a relationship people are always like you need to be you need to love yourself just stop trying so hard and it'll happen and this is kind of what happens with with Suan. she's like i'm 
looking for something completely different. I'm not focused on my love life. I'm focused on, you know, saving the world and, and you know, uh, getting my, my channeling back and, and all of these things that she's got a mission that has nothing to do with love. And then she kind of stumbles into it. And I think that is like a really interesting dynamic compared to like men, for example, who she knew this whole time, I'm going to fall in love with this guy. Like there's no mystery there. Uh, so I think, I think it's an interesting dynamic from her perspective. Uh, I think when it comes to uh, Swan and Gareth, and I think a lot of the other relationships in the series too, there's a political component to it. Like people are generally marrying or having relationships within their ranks. All of our characters grow to be like, you know, leaders of some kind. And Swan was the most powerful woman in the world. Uh, Gareth is heading a super big army that represents the most powerful, uh, you know, organization in the world. So like, her both of their options are limited i guess unless one of them wants to just take on you know uh, a side lover and uh and i feel like this is is, is kind of um it, it's just the way a lot of these relationships are like when you talked about elaine and rand like there's a definite political component to the elaine rand that isn't there with avienda or min um you know nine lan was irrespective of like they had nothing when they first started uh, falling in love, but like a lot of the others are, are really already on an upward trajectory and people can see where they're going when they start uh, having these relationships. And I find um, Swan and Gareth, like it's still got a, a political component to it because Swan can't let go, like being involved in all this stuff. So she's only going to be attracted to people that can keep her close to it. Gareth maybe is a little bit more loose in his interests of who he might be interested in, but he, you know, obviously loves her for uh, his own reasons. So I find like that that's one of the, the tricks or troubles of the Wheel of Time is so many of the relation, uh, romantic relationships are also politically motivated. And I guess that, you know, let's call it historically accurate for, you know, giggles, uh, that that's, you know, how a lot of monarchies worked. Uh, but um, I think it's quite apparent throughout most of the series that all, most of these relationships are, have some political component to them. Yeah, but you brought up the what, what's interesting. I, I think about the couples we just brought up, and I'm sure, you know, it's hard to not have mentioned Lan and Nynaeve in this way. But I think the ones we've brought up, I don't think really have a heavy, like you're saying, a heavy political nature to it. It's this mutual appreciation that that kicks off after an initial kind of meeting, and then there's this growing sense of accommodating kind of this person that they didn't anticipate having this relationship with and who's completely different than them, you know, and have come from different, very different places uh, in the sense of their responsibilities and power, you know, dynamics and such, and just appreciate the person separate from all of the other concerns going on, right? Like there's nothing, you know, you could definitely say that Avienda and Rand's relationship very much has this component of like, save the Aiel, you know, <laughs> we got to hook up to save the Aiel, right? And you can, you can look at um, a lot of these relationships that are sold to us. And I think that maybe there's this kind of unbelievability factor in some of the relationships, because that's just not what we're accustomed to maybe in our lives, you know? there's very little political dynamics to our relationships, you know, maybe in other countries in the world and in other times of our world, these relationships would have made a lot of sense that we kind of bag on sometimes of like, well, that's stupid. And well, it's like, what do you mean that's stupid? That's what you do, <laughs> you know, but, but we seem to have picked relationships that we appreciate for very particular re reasons. 
less so that Robert Jordan maybe wrote them the best. Like none of us have really talked about that aspect of it. Like how do you think he did in writing it and more what we were able to add and what we saw in those relationships when, you know, it's like, oh, wow, you know, they were able to, you know, make this work, even though they were com from completely different worlds or, oh, wow, even though something was pushing them together, they established their own relationship in the midst of that. Or, wow, there's these two individuals that never thought they would end up together, but knew about each other for a very long time. And all of a sudden are doing each other's laundry and living in each other's tent and realize like, wow, this person is exactly who I'd like to spend my time with. Uh, even more so than the conflicts that are going on around us, right? Less, less focus on the conflicts and more on the relationship. So yeah, it's kind of interesting. You, you mentioned uh, Avienda and Rand. Uh, were there any other sort of like runners up in this that you guys had thought about? Yeah, I, mean, I think Nynaeve and Lan, we have to, we have to cover Nynaeve and Lan before we, before we ever, you know, end this particular, you know, question that you had, Brian, a great question. Uh, and I think we've been talking about this in real time, but nine even ran, land, uh, Tyler, like what's your, what's your take on the nine even land? Do you, do you think if when it comes to the most romantic relationship or would you give them a different, is there a different way to talk about their relationship than the most romantic relationship? Oh yeah. No, the romance is thick with nine even land just because of uh, it's uh, the love that cannot be. And they're the reasons why are probably more personality based than plot based. Uh, I think, Again, one of the troubles is a lot of these are plot-based. We come to other ones like um, uh, uh, Anissa and Ruark or any of the other already, let's call them adult characters uh, throughout the series. We haven't seen how it happened. We can only see whether their relationship is healthy or not. And to a large extent, they seem to be. They give advice and guidance to our younger characters. And, you know, Matt says like, ah, oh, two wives. He's either the luckiest man alive or the greatest fool since creation. Like, what are you <laughs> thinking of, man? Like... Uh, so, so they all ha kind of have like their, their biases and stuff, but like by and large, all of the people we see already in relationships seem to have healthy relationships, which is a bit, I mean, again, it's outside of our normal, uh, real life experience. I mean, my real life relationships do not advance the plot at all. They are all character based. <laughs> they are not plot based. And I think this book has a lot of plot based relationships, but that's, it's a plot based world where the wheel makes that kind of stuff happen. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point about the difference between real world relationships and the relationships in the books. The The books are actually, you know, very uh, idealistic in a lot of ways and very flawed, unrealistically flawed in other ways. And I think we could dig into this really deeply and spend a lot of time on this, but we are actually running out of time at the moment. So why don't we just leave it here? And next episode, we will pick up the conversation kind of where we left off with a new type of relationship, the platonic relationship. So think about your favorite platonic relationships in the series, and maybe we'll find out what Matt's really dumb definition of platonic is. <laughs> and we'll see you next time on Barside Chats. Barside Chats is a Dusty Wheel production, jointly hosted by Brian the Gleeman and Matt the Innkeeper. If you would like to support this podcast, please leave us a review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast, or you may email us at podcast at thedustywheel.com.